Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Welcome everyone to the half-year results of the Acral Group Holdings. Uh, joining me today are, is Richard Newman, our CFO, and uh, Chris Welsh, who will become the new CFO uh, on the, the beginning of May of, of this year. I just want to give you a little bit of a background to the performance for the six months of this year. We are clearly very pleased with the performance of the group in the first six months. It's been incredibly strong. Our volumes, as you see there, have increased by 14%. From the prior period. I'm pleased to say that every retailer, every SKU that we supply is in growth. Our revenue clearly has been impacted positively with the price increases we have passed through. We'll give you more of a flavor of that in a moment. I'm really pleased to say that our market share has now climbed to just under 22% of the UK market. And that's up from when I joined the group in, in late 2017, early 2018, our market share was something like 6%. We've passed through significant cost increases of over £80 million in the last 15 months. Our belief now going forward is we don't see a further price increase uh, impacting uh, the customer base. Um, uh, and pretty static uh, tissue pricing. Um, our wet wipe business, which we bought uh, just under two years ago, John Dale, um, uh, has performed particularly well and, and will see sales of somewhere in the region of £6 million this year from our wet wipe business up from £1.5 million in, in 2021. Also, we've completed the final piece of automation of our sites and the new capacity in our Leyland business very much our capital investment in the business is very much behind us and we'll give you a flavor of the modest capital that we expect to be spending in the group going forward and i'll also update you towards the end of this presentation the findings of our strategic review and where we're taking the business i'll now hand over to to richard newman who will take you through uh, the numbers uh, and the performance of the business thank you richard great thank you gareth uh, good afternoon everybody yeah, just to talk through the market, first of all, just a reminder that the UK tissue market is now a £2.5 billion market at retail sales value. That excludes wet wipes, which is another half billion pound market on top of that. I guess the key dynamic that we've seen within the tissue market over the last period of time is the growth of private label. Brands versus private label has been sort of 50-50 the market over the previous few years. That trend did change a little bit through COVID, where the brands uh, strengthened somewhat. But now that position is, is completely reversed. Private label is now 54% of the market. And given our positioning with the discounters and our, our strong position within the private label market itself, we're obviously enjoying um, volume growth on the back of those trends. We've seen overall growth in the period we're looking at of 14% which has helped us grow our share up to just under 22%. But importantly, we've seen growth across all of our categories, toilet tissue, kitchen towel, uh, facial tissue, and wet wipes. So consistent growth across every area of our business. These are the summary numbers, which I'm sure many of you will have seen and read in terms of the headlines. What I'll do over the next few slides is just talk you through 
the bridge, if you like, of the revenue year on year, the, the profit and, and the debt. So if we start with the revenue slide, what I wanted to demonstrate here was just not only have we grown on the back of price, but there is underlying volume growth there, which I've talked about. And it gives you there the actual, in the text, talks about the growth of the categories that I've just described. Over the course of the last sort of 15 to 18 months, we have had to implement four separate price increases, very substantial price increases. Uh, and you can see the impact that they've had cumulatively over the course of the half year. So adding 38 million pounds in just the, the six month period. And we've done that without losing any customers. And as I've said, growing, growing our volumes in each and every customer that we serve. If you roll it on and we just look at the profits, so the EBITDA, I think this chart just demonstrates the scale of the cost inflation that we've been dealing with. You can see just in the half year period, almost 40 million pounds of input cost inflation that we've absorbed and then had to pass on to our customers. We've been successful in doing that. We've passed on all of those price increases. And in total, the total cost inflation across the period is over 80 million. And we will recover and have recovered all of that through our pricing activity. And just to reinforce the point, our anticipation is that we won't need further price increases going forward. We think this bout of inflation has probably peaked. We're not seeing our costs uh, decreasing yet. We think we're seeing them plateau in a number of areas. And our, our assumption is that they will slowly start to, uh, some of that inflation will slowly start to unwind probably over the next six months. The chart here is just about our debt position. So this just bridges to from the full year position to the half year position, a slight expansion in our debt. Really two, two drivers of that that I'd highlight. One is we've continued to invest in the business. We put in a the final new line into our Leyland facility, and we've also invested in the full automation of that facility. So that now means we've got in our, in our main manufacturing sites in Blackburn, in Leicester, and now in Leyland, we have fully automated kit and we've invested in every single line. So that really marks the end of a significant capital investment in our core business. And the other thing we've had to contend with probably over the last 18 months is we've seen an expansion in our working capital. That's partly been driven by inflation, which has obviously expanded the value of our stock and our debtors. But we've also had to take quite cautious positions in terms of how much stock we hold just to manage risks in the supply chain. Most recently in this half year period, there are a number of issues at UK ports, particularly at Liverpool and also at Felixstowe, which were disrupted due to industrial action. That's now passed us by and we're in a position now where we're able to unwind some of those contingency stocks. And we've started doing that through the second half. So as we look forward towards the full year, we've given guidance that our full year net debt will come in lower than this position as working capital unwinds and a lack of significant capital uh, expenditure going forwards. And then there's just a few commercial highlights here. I've highlighted the volume growth. I think perhaps just to make it real in terms of, you know, the branded offer versus the private label offer, there's a statistic sort of three quarters down that chart that just shows that's for a four pack of toilet roll. That's the price differential that you'll see on shelf between the brand and our own private label product of equivalent qualities. There's still a substantial differentiation in price on shelf. That's what consumers are looking at. And that's why we're seeing this 
significant growth in our volumes as consumers make that switch. The other thing I'd highlight on this page that is all the labels of all the retailers at the bottom of the chart there. It's really just to emphasize the fact that we serve a very broad customer base. We serve nearly every grocer discounter retailer in the country, probably only Asda there that's missing. And you know, no one customer dominates us. You know, we don't have any customer that's more than 20% of our total business. We've got a well-balanced portfolio of customers and you know, we've managed to grow volumes in each and every one of them. And then finally, the next slide, just some operational highlights. So I've talked a bit about how we've now finished our investment in all of our core manufacturing capability and capacity. So all of our plants now fully automated. Our productivity levels are the highest they've ever been, driven by that automation and that program of investment over the last four or five years, which probably totaled about £20 million in total. So we're seeing the benefits of that, and that investment is complete. And we estimate ongoing our sort of maintenance capital, if you like, is around £3 million per year. So that's, that's significantly lower than the levels that we've been investing over the past few years. I think uh, I'll pass back to Gareth. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Richard. Um, I, I'm just going to take you through a couple of slides just to conclude this section. And the first one is just around the environmental and social and governance part of our business. We published a very detailed second report in around November of last year. So just some highlights that I think that just show the real step change in the group and how relatively small things can, can have enormous impact. So we moved to 38 millimeter cores for our toilet rolls in the period. And that small change there meant that we were able to put 15% more rolls on every journey, which was able to remove 12% of our vehicle movements. And that is a significant reduction in our CO2 emissions, but also our cost of logistics. We've also in the period seen a 15% reduction in our tissue waste, a 3% energy reduction across our business, despite the fact that we're a growing organisation. We, we are very proud that we are a, a living wage accredited employer. Everyone in our organisation earns at least the living wage. When I joined in, in late 2017, early 2018, I think something like 75% of our employees was on the minimum wage. Um, now, that is a reflection partly of, of clearly the investment that we have made, uh, the reduction in, in headcount. But I'm a strong believer in, in having a skilled workforce, uh, and, and that enables you to drive significant improvements across the board. Um, I believe that we are the only manufacturing business in the Northwest that is a living wage accredited employer. And we are uh, the only tissue business in the UK that is a member of, of the living wage um, group. We're also really pleased with the improvement and increase in females in leadership roles in our organisation. Now up to just under 25% of all leadership roles now are filled with females in our organisation. And that's up from 6% in 2020. So if I look forward, uh, how confident are we as we entered into the second half of this year? Well, the easy answer is very. We are really pleased with the continued strong performance. The reality is the cost of living crisis that's impacting the UK is benefiting us. And Richard's reference there to the cost of a brand compared to the equivalent private label product is a real easy example to understand why private label market share is now at 
54% as opposed to the brands at 46. We have an incredibly strong range of, of retailers that we deal with. Um, the only retailer that we don't deal with today, and, and, I'm, and I'm very confident that we will soon, is Asda. And that gives us an enormous strength in the market. Um, it's something that we we understand uh, what is driving change across the whole of the UK um, retail landscape. Uh, and we're able to share that information with, with all the retailers um, in, in driving growth for them across the household products um, uh, division. So strong uh, start to H2. We've already announced to the market that we are trading marginally ahead of expectations in revenue and EBITDA performance. And the business now is incredibly well positioned to take advantage of the changing market dynamics. So I'm just going to give you just a, a flavor of the conclusion of the strategic review. Some of this we've already covered. This is a very different business today than it was probably even 18 months ago. As Richard has mentioned, the investment that we've made is very much behind us. We fully automated every site. Um, we are the best invested UK uh, tissue manufacturer. Uh, we are the lowest cost producer in the UK. We're able to measure that with, with headcount data that we see with our competitors um, and our output numbers. Um, the, the market, as I said, is changing enormously. Uh, and we are, uh, we are really pleased with the position we now find ourselves in. We have an exceptionally strong set of people across the business that's enabled us to improve so dramatically as an organization. This is a quite a busy slide. You can read this at your leisure. But what's important, what we're trying to get across is the scale of the organization. You know, we are a multi-site business throughout the UK. Geography matters in supplying the retailers. We have capacity across our business and it's an incredibly well-invested organization. And as you can see there, a real flavor of how old the machinery is. We have got the newest machine park compared to any of our competitors. And it's something that I know that will benefit us as the market changes going forward. So who are we today? Well, as Richard mentioned, we are the market leader in private label. We are the fastest growing business in the UK. We've got an incredibly strong retailer customer base. No one customer is bigger than 20% of our turnover. We've ensured that that has been one of our mantras over the last four or five years. We deal with every retailer and every grocer in the UK, as I said, apart from Asda. As Richard said, every single one of them, every one of our SKUs is in growth during this period. And we, as part of our DNA, is our relentless approach to operational efficiency. It's something that will, will never leave us. Um, uh, it's something that I know um, puts us in a very strong position to really benefit um, uh, going forward with the levels of, of returns that we expect as a, as, a, as a management team. So before I pass over to Chris to give you a, a little bit of flavour of the mill and our advancement there, I think it's just important just to reflect where we expect to get uh, different parts of the group. So our core toilet and kitchen towel business, we expect that to grow to around about £250 million over the next three to four years. Today, it's around £200 million in revenue terms. Our facial plant, um, again, we're currently selling at around £20 million revenue per year, up from 10, probably 12 months ago. Uh, and we've got capacity and investment plans there to get that to £30 million. And our wet white business is probably the biggest growth area. Uh, we bought John Dale, as I said, just under two years ago. 
we bought it because it's one of the two manufacturers in the UK that's able to sell a water industry approved flushable wipe, which is solely made from tissue. When we bought that business, turnover was there. It was around one and a half million pounds. This year in 2023, revenue will be around six. We've got capacity to grow that business to 12 and the physical building will allow us to grow it to around 40 million with relatively modest investment of around three million pounds over the next three years we can really see us scaling that business going forward because of our very, very strong retailer base. Uh, Our Oceans direct-to-consumer brand is still part of our thinking. It's been growing at around 10% per year. We've actioned additional resource in that field, and we see that as part of our organisation. Chris will give you a flavour of this, but we absolutely intend to return to the dividend list, and we're looking at what is the best way of returning funds to our shareholders as we see a very strong cash generative organization. I'll now hand over to to Chris. He'll just give you a a little flavor of the mill. Um, So Chris, there you go. Afternoon, everybody. Pleasure to join today's call. We're pleased to announce that we've made significant progress on our plans to build a paper mill with an optimal location selected, which we believe will provide a low energy and labor cost solution to securing a significant portion of our raw material paper reel requirements moving forward. We expect that machine to have a capacity of around 70,000 tonnes and operate in an incredibly efficient manner, producing one to two grades of paper. Um, We anticipate that there will be an initial um, approximately £10 million worth of cash outlay for the group over the next two to three year period, um, and the plant will become operational in mid calendar year 2025, Um, but we will release more information um, to the market over the next few months as the project continues to develop. And then, as Gareth mentioned, just wanted to touch on our capital allocation policy, and we view the ongoing CapEx requirement for the core business to be around £3 million per year for sustaining and maintenance CapEx, and we intend to resume our progressive dividends or a share buyback programme over the coming period, as is prudent to do so. And then in terms of, finally, to finish on our net debt cycle, um, we anticipate that net debt should return to typical levels of around 1.5 times um, debt to EBITDA leverage as we move forward. Thanks, Chris. Just to summarise, and then we'll open up for questions, we're clearly very pleased with the performance of the business in the first half, and we're very confident about the performance in the second half of this year. Looking forward, our market, um, the private label sector, has been growing incredibly strongly. The actual business now is that we know it's the lowest cost producer in the UK. We're relentless about that. As Richard and Chris said, you know, our major capital on the core business is very much behind us. We have a strong full team now in place. Our mill plans, which we will update the market on pretty regular basis over the next six months as elements of that progress is an incredibly exciting step change for the group and is in an area that gives us a real long-term, a low-cost energy solution that I think is vital for the long-term success of Vacril and for it to be able to deliver consistent levels of appropriate EBITDA performance. And then finally, just to finish, I'm, I'm, I'm very um, grateful to our some of our long-term shareholders who have been with us throughout this journey it's it's certainly been uh, been challenging at the beginning 
Um, but I uh, am very pleased with with how much they've how supportive they have been, and and also our bank HSBC, who again uh, have been throughout uh, the journey, um, uh, and they can see and uh, how how um, um, positive we are looking forward um, to the future. So on that note, I will I'll end the presentation and and open up for questions. First question here, whilst the RPI contracts with customers make a lot of sense, will Acrol miss out on margin enhancement when paper prices and energy costs fall, i.e. the time lag of price decreases, having endured a very tough time into a rising price? And there's another question, which is, can you give a little more explanation of how the index link contracts work? More specifically, do they guarantee a minimum profit margin? Shall, shall I pick I'll, I'll, I'll pick up um, uh, that one and, and uh, Richard, Chris, um, you know, add some colour if, uh, if, if you feel at the end. Um, so the... the, the we, we have indexations uh, with the vast majority of our customers, but they, they're not, you know, what, what is, I, what I know is um, incredibly good for the organization, for the group, for the tissue industry, is that it isn't easy to point at a simple index. So there's not a, there's not a simple pass through of, of, as prices drop, that there's then an immediate pass through of, uh, of, 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 of savings to to the retailers, uh, and whilst that is therefore challenging when you're trying to push prices up, it's clearly a benefit to the group um, on the on on the flip side. Uh, and I think that is very very important. Um, we've worked incredibly hard as an organisation, and it's part of the reason why you, you'll there's a there's a there's a lag on the on the gross margin percentages that will that will flow through. In the toward in the second half of this year and into the beginning of next year, um, so um, we whilst we we're not seeing and, and Richard raised this point, we're not seeing uh, any significant um, uh, reduction in tissue pricing um, in the in the short term. Um, if and as and when that started to flow through, we wouldn't expect to to immediately pass that that volume. Um, and that benefits straight back to to the retailers. Uh, and I think I think I answered all of that because I think there's three bits to that question. But I think I've answered all of that. But. Do they guarantee a minimum profit margin? Um, no, they, we no they don't. Uh, we don't have, and I wouldn't want that. Um, that sounds like a cost plus sort of model, and, and I think that would be um, um, well. I, I I wouldn't want that in place for any business. If I was really honest. The cost increases recovered from retailers seem to obscure the published figures, not showing a normalised trend with excessive revenue increases and margins falling to 18%. What will margins return to? And can you give some colour on the potential for margin enhancement over the next few years? I suppose a headline of, of where we see, where I see, and I've always seen this business, but clearly it's, it's had, you know, the, the, the world has changed dramatically over the last three years, but I've always seen this business as a as a teen EBITDA business. Um, uh, that's why I've stayed in the organisation. That's why we've invested heavily in the business. Um, the you know our our margins, um, our gross margins, um, historically have been 
between 27% and, and 30. Uh, and that's the level of where we would expect our margins um, uh, to get backed up. But I'll, I'll let Richard give a flavour of, of sort of the reasons why you see a little bit of a lag and why it's currently at, I think it's at 18, just under 20% in the, in the first half. No, correct. I think the the question's right in terms of when you when you look at the published numbers, um, obviously our, our margins have been diluted over that period as we've as we've effectively chased the cost inflation. So I think we've talked previously about there, there's a lag in the system between some of those costs coming through and our, our ability to re- recover it. I think that lag we've we've we're pleased we've done well to sort of reduce that lag to the minimum possible but over over the time window that we're looking at there's there's clearly a lag in there which will unwind we're already seeing our margins in half two uh, as you might expect are better than than half one and you know, we're confident those margins will, will expand again to more normalized levels as we get into full year um 24. And could you detail the low-cost energy solution in more detail regarding the mill? Um, With regard to the the energy piece, what we will do is, is, over as I said, I think I said this in the presentation. In the next three to six months, we will we will be outlining in in more detail all aspects of the mill. Um, um, I I suppose I think it's just say in the presentation the the part of the energy solution is a is a solar uh, element to it. Uh, and again, we'll give more flavour of that in, in the next uh, three to six months. And good volume increases in wet wipes, but it's not clear from the figures that the acquisition is producing profitable growth. Could you explain? Uh, again, I think that, that you know, obviously the, as, as, as investors, you'll see, you'll see the improvement in, in the wet wipe business in the full year numbers. Um, we are very pleased with with the the wet wipe growth, and we're very pleased with the levels of margins that that we are attaining within within that business. It's probably two or three percentage points higher than 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 our core uh, toilet tissue business. So it's something that we are very keen that we continue to expand and grow. Uh, we've made some significant changes in the organisation, simplified it, reduced down the number of people that we've got working in the organisation. There'll be further investment in the in the business to make it um, uh, give it extra capacity, but also improve its its margins going forward. Uh, we're very mindful of where we grow. Um, so the flushable wet white business that that, that predominantly um, uh, uh, is is the is the revenue percentage in in there uh, is a is an area of wet wipes that has strong margins um, uh, in the uh, in the UK. So we're very pleased with the with John Dale, and I think that will come. The numbers will will show through in the full year. What's your capacity utilisation across core, facial, and wet wipes? When might you need to consider additional capacity? So again, uh, the facial business uh, we've grown that from around ten million pounds in 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 revenue to twenty. Um, I, I, it's a modest, I think it's a modest million pounds of further investment in our facial plan, um, which will then push. Um, capacity up to 30 million and then with our wet white business again I think we, we mentioned this earlier uh, we've got capacity of around 12 million pounds uh, in our wet white business and uh, with modest investment again about 3 million in total over probably three years um, would then allow that business to grow to about 40 million 
So the very different cost of machinery in both sectors, um, uh, but the the growth potential for the business uh, in those two areas is is quite substantial. And does the ten million for the mill cover just the land and building? Will the machines be leased? Will there be capacity in the ten million building to add more machines without extending? And why only one machine now, when two would still be only eighty percent of Acrol's expected annual tissue volume? So I'm not I'm not going to go into huge detail around the mill at this stage, other than to say, just to confirm that that, that we we we're not leasing the the, the machine uh, and and the um, and or the land or buildings. Um, it's, it, there wouldn't be any lease uh, sale and lease back um, funding, but we'll 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 give more of a of a, of a detail uh, on the mill in due course. Uh, with regard to um, um, with regard to why we're not building two, <laughs> I mean, we'll, uh, the, the the facility will have access to build two if wished. Um, I'm not a big believer in fully integrated businesses. Um, I find that many of them are. Uh, have have different issues going forward, um, but I, I, you know I, we're definitely not going to run before we can walk. Um, you know we'll get on and 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 build the the first mill uh, and review what the the next phase is for the organisation. But it's a clearly a very exciting period for the organisation. And the questioner here says, Acrol's been a real roller coaster ride given the relatively stable nature of the demand profile of the industry. How far away is Acrol from becoming a much more predictable and stable company with the contract changes, mill build, currency hedging? Is your objective to make this a stable company with strong cash flow? Well, my easy answer is that um, if you look forward now um, in the business, um, uh, I think we are entering into a very exciting period for the organisation. This is the this is the this is the point where I was expecting to get the business probably a couple of years ago, but I obviously didn't envisage a pandemic or a war. Um, uh, so there have clearly been some uh, elements that have been outside the group, but the effort that has gone in in transforming the organisation, the simplification, the investment. Um, the business I see today is is incredibly exciting to be part of, uh, and the whole point of our work and effort is around delivering uh, boringly consistent levels of return um, that shareholders are excited about. Um, and I think we're in an incredibly strong position uh, as I look forward um, to help deliver that. And can you tell me how much the strategic review cost and why was it necessary when it seems that the decisions that are likely to be made would form part of the day-to-day running of the business? Um, I think we've spent about £25,000, £30,000. It's, it's, you know, we, we, we uh, in external consultants who helped us um, challenge us with regard to ensuring that we looked at every possible um option for the group the the logic was that there was no more difficult than than at the time um i think when we announced you review the share price was 20 pence and uh you know i you know i'm i'm i look at this business i look at the assets that we have if you wanted to if you wanted to buy the assets it probably cost you about 150 million pounds to just set a business up like this um to have a customer base uh, as we have with the breadth it's got, with the relationship we've got, um, 
uh, I I think would take a, a, a group 15 years to build something like this. Um, I think this is an organisation that is ridiculously undervalued and part of that review was to see whether or not there was, you know, are we doing the right things? Clearly there's been some dramatic changes since we announced that, you know, the, the cost of living crisis is, has been an enormous positive impact upon the group. You know, the change in, in the retailer dynamic, again, is an incredibly positive influence, positive change to the group. So we, we wanted to be open about, um, about considering what what was the best route for the organisation, you know, I've remained very confident about this business. Uh, I think that it is a, um, uh, a, a, a a set of, of 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 factories now that is really well positioned to take advantage of of a market that's changing positively for us, and it also produces a no state in the obvious, but produces a product that you can't live without, uh, and I think that's uh, quite unique. And what ambitions does the group have for inorganic growth, either in the UK or abroad? We, you know, we, one th- the area that I would, um, the, the, in the last 18 months, we've, we've started to realise the value and the enormous value of our customer base and the range of customers. And I think that the growth that we've seen in John Dale is a real example of, of, of how that, that strength can transform an organization. You know, we've gone from, as I said, we've gone from revenues of one and a half million there. Um, <clears throat> and and our run rate now is 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 at a level which means that we need to start making our first um uh, machine investment for that group to give it more capacity. Um, and so I think the the real strength of this group is is around the retailers that 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 we have um and, and how we then maximize that opportunity and wet wipes have had a highly negative press since although being flushable they don't break down like toilet paper consequently they cause blockages do the wet wipes you produce break down so as not to cause these problems and if so do you use this as a marketing aspect um the easy flippant answer is yes and yes so the our the 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 flushable wipes that we that we sell out of the John Dale business. Uh, we are only one of, two, I said this earlier, we're only one of two manufacturers in the UK that has a flushable wet wipe that's approved by the water industry. So you can flush these down the toilet. You can put them in a glass of water. They disintegrate and disappear. Um, uh, and that has been a cornerstone of our, of our growth aspirations with, 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 with the wet wipe business. Um, and and absolutely, it's 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 the marketing um, selling reasons for these products. They're a little bit more expensive than than traditional uh, traditional wipes, um, uh, and um, yeah. But the response from the retailers has been has been fantastic. And why consider share buybacks when hopefully the monies would produce even higher returns by investing within the business? Uh, well, the, the 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 easy answer is that we we will consider both. Um, it depends at the time what we feel is the right is the right um, uh, use of our cash. Um, to be brutally honest, um, when uh, you know when the share price was twenty five pence, our view was that that um, uh, uh, we felt that was you know ridiculously undervaluing the group. You know. Uh, 
I don't know what it is today at 33p. We think it's ridiculously undervaluing the group. Um, clearly, at the time when we when we look at what what we feel is the right thing to do with our with our cash, we'll we'll put it into where we feel is the gives us the best possible return. And I very much hope that 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 you know there's the, there's a um, you know that that we'll well we'll, we will just make the right decision at the time. We see this happening in in full year twenty three twenty four. Um, um, but the cash generation for the group in the medium to short term is 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 quite profound. Thank you very much. And what's the time you have a return to dividend and how will you prioritize between dividend and share buybacks? Um, so I, I probably referred to my previous answer uh, 2324 you know uh, Richard do you want to do you want to give a flavor of of I'm conscious of the fact that I've, I've Yeah no I think I think what, what what we're indicating through our announcement is our our confidence in cash generation going forward so the combination of improving earnings the lower levels of uh capital expenditure drain on the business going forward you know we've said all the all the heavy liftings effectively been done in the past i think what we're saying is you know there'll be more more cash available going forwards we want to maintain a sensible debt and efficient debt structure which is why we've sort of indicated that one and a half times level is where we think is is efficient for us and then the remainder of the cash i think what we're just trying to indicate is that there'll be choices to be made whether there's bolt-on acquisitions whether there's a return of that to shareholders whether that's through a dividend through a buyback i think what we're really just trying to do is indicate that you know we're aware that you know we, it's our desire to return to a dividend policy we'll we'll pitch that at a sensible level so that it's uh sustainable going forwards but really it's just trying to give a sense of confidence that we have in our in our cash generation going forward. So everything looks as good as it could be, and the future looks very bright indeed. So Gareth, why did you sell about one million pounds worth of shares recently? Um, well, it wasn't a million pounds of the shares. I think it was a million shares. Um, uh, I've I've sold shares twice in five years, um, and there was a particular personal reason why I needed to do it. And, and the Acquil shares were the most liquid thing that I had at that time. Um, um, and it was just a personal reason. Um, but I'd like to think that shells would allow me to shell shares um, uh, at some point in um, in my career at Acquil. But um, I don't intend to sell any further, more any more shares. And is your growth rate the same across all product lines and customers? Do you expect any areas of the business to grow quicker? Richard, do you want to pick that one up? I know you, you referenced in your slide, one of your slides. Do you want to pick that up? Yeah, so I think, again, the, the broad point is that we're, we're growing all categories, all customers. Clearly within that, there's different rates of growth. I, I don't think it's um, – I think everyone would understand that our, our customers, people like – Audi and Lidl, you know, they're seeing tremendous growth in the market overall, and we're we're obviously key suppliers to them. So we're seeing we're seeing strong growth there, and across the various categories, um, you know, some of this is is a reversal of some of the trends in in during the pandemic. So, for example, our facial tissue business, we've seen huge growth there. Now that that's partly because uh, during the pandemic there was that slowed down and has recovered somewhat. So that's our fastest growing area. But I think on one of the slides, you know, all all of uh, all categories, toilet tissue, kitchen towel and facial tissue are all growing by sort of teen percentages. Um, 
and that's what we've seen as we as we've gone into the second half beyond this set of numbers that's that's continued tremendous thank you very much and that's the end of questions gareth do you have any closing remarks i'd just like to thank everyone for first of all joining um the uh, the presentation uh, i hope you found it, it useful we really appreciate all of your interest in in the business um we're obviously excited about the um the future we think we've we we know we've got a incredibly strong organization well invested business in a market that is growing uh and uh, we really look forward to the next um, number of years uh, in 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 the group. So listen, I appreciate your time today, um, uh, and hopefully uh, speak to you all again soon. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice, and nothing in our material should be taken as such.